you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's important for you to know there's a reason for it. It isn't a leap from blind faith, uh, from logic to blind faith. No, there's a logical basis, an evidentiary basis for faith in Christ Jesus. Luke wants us to know that. He started us off last week at the first part of Luke chapter 5 to show us a demonstration of a uh, divine quality of the human Jesus. The human Jesus possessed, in the incident we read last week, the quality of omniscience. That is to say, he knew where to fish. Do you remember last week we spoke about the miraculous catch of fish on the Sea of Galilee, so that even seasoned fishermen who fished at night said, Lord, we we did our best. We didn't catch anything. And he had them fish at the wrong time in the deep water in the day. That's not the time to do it on the Sea of Galilee. But he knew where to find the fish. And uh, he demonstrated, it wasn't about fish. It was to demonstrate that this rabbi was unique. He was not like any other rabbi. And he was declaring things about himself. But then he backed it up with evidence, in this case, the evidence of his omniscience, you know, omni, that means like big, omniscience, he knew all things. And one of the qualities of the Lord Jesus is that he knows all things about all things. He knows nothing in part, as you and I do. And today we'll look at a, sep- a second episode in Luke chapter 5, just a few verses, and we'll start in verse 12. And today's uh uh, recorded event is designed to show us not so much the omniscience of this Jesus, but his omnipotence. So if omniscience means that he's all-knowing, what does omnipotence mean? He's all-powerful. He can do all things except those things which are contrary to his nature. Can God lie? No. So, so, so omnipotence is bounded by the internal consistency of the God we worship. He never does anything contrary to his character. You do. I do. He don't. <laughs> so today we'll see not his omniscience so much as much as his omnipotence. Last week we saw his power over nature. Uh, his authority over nature, and today we're going to see his authority over disease, over the disease process. It's an episode that you're familiar with, and we'll just spend a little time enjoying it. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he, the Lord, was in one of the cities, it's unnamed, isn't it? The city, and yet we surmise it was in the part of Israel known as Galilee. That would be the northern part of Israel. So if you think of Israel divided, say, in three parts, from north to south, this district up here is Galilee. Just below it, in the middle, is Samaria, and south of it is Judea. The Lord started his ministry in Galilee. Galilee is where places like Nazareth are. You've heard of that. Cana, Capernaum, all those places. So probably this city is there in the 
uh, northern part of Israel because the Lord had not yet left Galilee to go south into the Judean wilderness there to be tempted by the evil one. So he's in, it's a beautiful place. It's like a, it's like the Texas hill country. If you like the hill country and who doesn't, um, that's where you go to kind of get away and relax and, uh, walk and enjoy the scenery. That's what Galilee is like. It's not congested. It's very green, rolling hills. You walk all over and in the Lord's day in quite an enjoyable way. So that's where he was, some city in Galilee. And behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. Does your translation say something like that? Covered with leprosy? Anything like that? Full of. That is accurate. So here's the deal. Uh, his leprosy was in an advanced stage. He didn't just uh, receive the diagnosis. It had spread. It, he was full of it. He was covered by it. Now this diagnosis would have been made by uh, someone who knew what he was talking about. Luke. Why? What was Luke's profession? Yeah, he was probably a physician, see, so he would have taken note of the extent of the condition. Now, when it says leprosy, it probably was not the brand of leprosy we see today. It's called Hansen's Bacillus. That's the kind of leprosy that victimizes people. Did you know even today we've not eradicated leprosy yet from the world? And so uh, the modern-day leprosy that we uh, know of today in various places is called Hansen's bacillus. When the Bible uses the word leprosy, it is not zeroing in on that specific kind of disease. It's usually a, a more general term for serious skin disease of various kinds. What we know is this man had one, a serious skin disease, noticeable, probably oozing, undoubtedly spreading and contagious. Therefore, he had to be sequestered from society. Whatever city we are in now, he was not permitted to be in. He had to be isolated out of it. He could have no contact with people, including family. If he was married, he had no contact with his wife. If he was a parent, he had no contact with his children. It was serious. looks cruel, but it really wasn't. It was preventative medicine, you might say. Uh, they didn't know how to control these things, and they knew it would spread. There was more to it than that. It would spread as a skin disease. The folks in the day thought that external skin disease symbolized internal corruption, internal uncleanness. The external uncleanness was a sign, they thought, of internal uncleanness. And so this skin disease would have disqualified this man from participation in worship at the temple. Everyone would go up at least three times a year to Jerusalem to worship, not him. He was disqualified. You know what he was? He was the walking dead. I just want you to get a notion. This is a desperate, desperate man. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Something stirred him to do this. News of this Jesus reached his village. Don't know what effect it had on the other lepers, but this man was moved to action. He had heard about this Jesus. He had heard about the demonstration of his authority. 
and his capacity to do what no one else could do. Some might say what he did was quite a courageous thing. He came out from his isolation to approach the Lord Jesus. I don't think it's so much courage as it is desperation. Have you experienced it? I remember one time being in the military barracks. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember being so desperate. I had heard about this Jesus shortly before from a friend in the military who was a Christian. He told me about Jesus. I was alone in uh, my room in the military one night, and I was contemplating suicide again. I had done this several times. And uh, I was pretty calm, cool, and collected. I just thought it's... I don't, I'm not making it. There's just nothing, there's no reason to go on. Uh, I become like my dad, doing the drinking thing just like he did. Dwayne, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, I swore I wouldn't be like him, and there I am being like him. You know how we do it. And so I thought, that's it. I'm just, there's no reason to be. And I found myself crying out to this Jesus. I remember saying, would you please help me? Would you please do for me what you did for Mark? Mark was the other guy in the military who was living proof of a loving God to a watching little Jewish kid. I said, what'd you do? I said, I said, Jesus, I didn't yet know what you call him Lord. I didn't know any vocabulary. I just said, Jesus, uh, I'll make a deal. You don't make a deal. <laughs> I don't know any better. I said, I'll make a deal. You do for me what you did for him. I'll give you the rest of what's left of my shoddy life. I remember saying, you're not going to get the better end of the stick, but that's all I got to offer. I remember doing that. And I remember thinking, good night, I bet I'm the only Jew in the history of the world ever to say something like, you don't, we don't call on Jesus. See, of course I was wrong about all that, but I didn't know. And at that time I thought, good night, my rabbi cousins are going to have my head. <laughs> my parents are going to freak out. I'm dead meat if ever they find out. I don't care. I'm desperate. It had nothing to do with courage. It had to do with desperation. I don't care what religion says. I don't care what tradition says. I don't care what anybody says. I'm dead. I'm the walking dead. Would you give me life? So maybe you've had that experience as, as well. So this man in desperation does what he wasn't supposed to do. I'll tell you what he was supposed to do. Leviticus chapter 13. Verses 45 and 46. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn. You know what that is? It's a sign of mourning. Walk or rent your clothes. It's a sign of deadness. His clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, Unclean. If he ever is around other people, he has to designate himself this way in advance. When he comes upon them, he has to declare what is his essential identity now. He's no one's dad. He's no one's husband. He's nobody. He's unclean. He's dead. He has to yell it out to people who are still alive, lest they experience the contagious effect of his spiritual deadness. This is his lot in life. He has to go through the crowd, separated from it. He's in it, but not of it. He's unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. 
His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You do not have to raise your hand, but have you felt this way? You're in a group, but not of it. Have you felt desperately alone? I I just need to tell you, the Bible knows you, knows your hurt heart, knows all about you. And to make you feel safe, God is giving you someone like you. We're not reading about ancient history here. This is a human being created in the image of God who is not part of the surrounding population. He's on the outside. He doesn't feel like he fits. Maybe that's you. A misfit smile on your face, but you're torn up on the... I just want you to know, the God who made you understands you. He wrote about you. This is you. And so this is the situation with this guy, and yet he summons up, I think, all right, courage out of desperation, and he leaves his leper colony, and he mainstreams himself. He comes into this city, whatever it is, shouting, of course, unclean, unclean. People are backing away And he falls down at the feet of this one who he refers to as Lord. He attributes to him a higher authority to which he is willing to submit, just not just in posture, but in his heart. And he makes this extraordinary statement, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I know you could. I don't know if you would. See what he's saying? I know you have the capacity. You are omnipotent. Uh, my physical affliction must go, should you command it to. I know you could. I don't know if you would. I know you are able. I don't know if you will. Now, i got to tell you something. That is biblical Faith. That is not faith in an outcome we are demanding from God. That's faith in God to do what He wills to do, knowing He'll do what's best. So today, when it comes to healing, I'm asked this all the time, Stuart, don't you believe in divine healing? My answer is, of course. And if you're stricken by something, you must pray that very thing. Oh, God, would you please heal me? Would you lengthen my days? And those of us around you are going to pray that very thing. To ask for it is a whole lot different than to demand it, to demand it as you're right. So today in various churches, what you're taught is your healing is your right before God. It's your right. And so you're taught to believe God for your healing. And that's called faith. That is not faith. That is faith in your faith. This is faith. Oh God, heal me. I know you are able to, but thy will be done. 
Faith is not in God doing a particular thing you're demanding of Him. Faith in, is in God doing whatever He wills to be best on your account. You see, well, how could it in any way be good for me to be sick? Oh, come on. Even David wrote a psalm, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep thy word. If we're honest, and we rarely are, we do better when we're burdened by something that necessitates our dependence on God than where we're free. Frankly, we do better in times of um, adversity than in times of prosperity. Our prayer life is accentuated. Our church attendance becomes more regular. Our hunger for the word of God goes up. Yeah, there are times when God in his will allows us to be Paul. Some kind of a physical affliction had him and he said, I asked God about it three times. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So, folks, be careful about what you're hearing today in the healing area. If God thinks it is really in your best interest, he will eradicate the disease. If he thinks it's better for you to have it, he won't. Because he loves you and those around you more than you know. Faith is, oh God, here is my desire. There's not a doubt in my mind that you could do what I ask. However, don't do what I ask. Do what is in accordance with your good, acceptable, and perfect will. That's faith. The so-called faith you hear in various churches today is not faith at all in the character, in the gracious and good character of God. Not at all. That's you looking to God as Santa Claus. And if Santa doesn't give you the gift you want. You know what also is wrong with modern day teaching on healing? If you don't get your healing, there's only one conclusion you can come to. Your faith was inadequate. If only you believed God for it, you would be well. So you know what this does to you? Now not only do you have a physical ailment, now you're filled with guilt and shame on top of it. And I've seen people like that totally distance themselves from Christians, from church, and from Christ because they think they have already so let him down, disappointed him, and have such defective faith, there's no sense going on. Terrible, 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 terrible. Don't take your marching orders from effective, charismatic, healing preachers who don't know what they're talking about. Look to the scriptures. That's faith. Billy? Yeah. 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 It is interchangeable. That's a great observation. Uh, Luke is particularly using that term here because his uncleanness kept him 
uh, apart from access to the temple. He could not, according to the laws of the day and traditions, he couldn't access God because of his uncleanness. Yeah. All righty, so here's what happened. He stretched out his hand. The Lord stretched out his hand and touched him. Well, i got to tell you that. Is just, folks, get the picture. The crowd is moving away. <laughs> the Lord is moving near. In the touch, he said more than all the theological books in the universe. <laughs> you know what the touch said? You mean something to me. You're a value to me. But wait. When the Lord touched him, do you know what all the religious people of the day are thinking? He's corrupted. The uncleanness of the leper has now been communicated to this Yeshua, this Jesus. And here's the good news. That's not how it works. <laughs> he communicates his holiness to unholy ones like us. We do not communicate our unholiness to him. He imputes his righteousness to our side of the ledger. We do not impute our unrighteousness to him. <laughs> so I want to tell you what he's doing right now. He is invigorating this unclean one. He is um, angering the religious leaders of the day. Society said stay away. Religious leaders said stay away. The Lord Jesus said I will touch you. And so he does. He reaches out and touches one, branded untouchable by everybody else. Stretched out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And what's the time indicator in your Bible? How long? Immediately. The leprosy left him. Now, folks, it isn't really about leprosy, is it? <laughs> It's about that which renders us unclean and thereby separated from an intensely, irreversibly, uncompromisingly clean, holy God. And when Jesus touched you by your faith, when you in essence yielded, submitted, fell before him, if not literally, then in your heart, when you said, forgive me, Savior, a sinner, when you uh, diagnosed your problem accurately, when you looked to him for the solution to it, and when you allowed him to touch you, that is to say by applying his cleansing blood to you, your essential identity went from uncleanness to cleanness, boom, immediately. That is not something you grew into. This has nothing to do with a discipleship. This has nothing to do with something you work on. Your essential identity, when you were touched by the Lord Jesus, when his blood, his atoning cleansing blood was applied to the filthiness, defilement, and corruption of your sin, when it was applied, you immediately had a new status. You're no longer someone who has to go through the crowd. This guy didn't. Unclean, unclean. He could say, clean, clean. He could say, once I was, but immediately now, because of the touch of the master, now I am clean. That's you. So you know what the challenge is for the Christian? <clears throat> it's to live up to our new status. It's not to earn it. You don't earn it. <laughs> You've been touched. It's been transferred to you. Cleanness has been your new designation. 
<laughs> you don't merit it. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. The challenge is to live up for it. When the Christian, you, I, when we sin, we are simply living below our identity. Uh, the Lord, last Sunday was promotion Sunday, but this is ultimate promotion. Good night. The Lord promoted us from a state of separation, alienation, rejection, and uncleanness. And he raised us up to a state of cleanness. <laughs> Just as if I had not sinned. Justification. So the challenge for me is just to live in light of who I am. The challenge is not becoming someone. That's a whole lot of pressure. No, 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 no. All I have to do is live in light of my new identity. Yeah, but what, but, but someone early on in life assigned me this identity. The person who abused me gave me an identity. The, 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 the whatever. The dad who, who abandoned me gave, essentially gave me this identity. I'm junk, I'm junk. No, you've been out here. No, the Lord Jesus touched you and gave you an entirely new identity. So the challenge for you is reckon on who you is now. You be clean immediately, folks. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's a pronouncement of our new identity. That's First Peter. You can check it out. And all the Lord is saying, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Why do you want to go through the crowd and designate yourself as unclean and act like you're still that way when as a result of the master's touch, immediately you became clean? That's the way it is. And he ordered him to tell no one. What? <laughs> what is the deal there? This is like a major transformation. Good night. This is a guy who hadn't been touched by his wife, by his kids, by his neighbors, and who know how long. And he's touched by the Lord Jesus. How do you keep that quiet? That's exactly what God said here. He ordered him to tell no one. Could you please tell me why the Lord ordered him to tell no one? you have any idea? What do you say, Billy? Man, that is pretty good. That is exactly right. The timing was not right. The timing is not right. And if this man publicized the news, the Lord Jesus could not have conducted himself through Galilee at this point. You know why? Crowds of people would have come for healing. Do you know the Lord did not come primarily to provide physical healing? This will really be demonstrated to you next week, Lord willing, if the rapture doesn't come. And Brother Chuck feels like doing the Bible study for a change. <laughs> I've been carrying the load. I'm just exhausted. No. Listen, you know, next week that wonderful text um, where the there's a guy, a paralytic, and, you know, his friends try to bring him to Jesus, and people are giving the Lord a hard time. What's going on? And the Lord says, let me ask you a question. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or stand up? You're healed. But that you might know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. I'm going to heal this guy. So you see, the healing was not the end in itself. Can I tell you something? Your physical well-being is not the purpose of your life. 
physical well-being is a wonderful means to have more energy and facility and length of days and all the rest. The purpose of life is to live in a state of uncleanness. The authority behind it being given by the one who has the very authority over disease. And if he has the authority over disease, then you can count on it. He has the authority to take all your sin and cast it behind his back. That's the deal. The healings just point to the ultimate blessing of Almighty God. So anyway, he orders him to tell no one. But he does tell him to go tell certain folk. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing just as Moses commanded as a testimony to him. In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, this particular eventuality is... uh, accommodated if someone gets over the skin disease you got to present yourself to the priest why the priest would have been the one authorized to check you out to see if in fact the infection is gone and thus to give you authorization permission to re-enter the mainstream of society so the lord said you go as a testimony to those religious folk and I want to tell you as we draw to a close what the, that priest would do. This is according to Leviticus chapter 14. I am not making this up. And you can read it on your own if you'd like to, just to check it out. The priest was to go outside the camp. That's what it says, go outside the camp. But take with you two birds. Kill one. Take the living bird, immerse it in the blood of the one that was killed. Release the living bird into the sky. Let the one who had hitherto been unclean look up. And when that previously unclean one looked up in the sky, saw that flying, resurrected bird and blood dripping down, he would know I am cleansed because of the blood. The bird that was slain is a foreshadowing of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. The bird that flew is a foreshadowing of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You need to know his cleansing blood applied to your life is not an afterthought. He planned on it all the way back in Leviticus and gave a foreshadowing of it so that you and I could know long before you knew him, he had his eye on you. He saw you coming. He saw you coming. That's remarkable. That is remarkable. Regardless of what you have done, even in the recent past, even on the way to church, (laughs) though they may manifest uncleannesses, that is not the defining quality of your life now. What is the defining quality of your life now is that you are a son or daughter who sometimes sins You are no longer an unclean one, alienated from God. Totally different. If you think you're alienated from God, you'll continue to live that way. You'll live low. 
if you think you're adopted irreversibly into his family with a pronouncement of irreversible cleanness put upon you, though you will choose to sin from time to time, you'll get over it because you will know your essential identity is to live like a clean one. You will know you didn't earn it. You don't work on it. Nothing's expected of you. You will know that is a declaration put upon you by God as a result of the transfer of his righteousness to your account. And he will simply say, live up to your new identity. Remember the bird flying away, immersed in blood, in your place. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. Pretty good, huh? So, news about him spread, of course. Crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus would slip away and pray. Herein is the balanced life exhibited by the Lord and a great standard for us. I call it the ins and outs of the Christian life. He went out to meet the needs of the needy. And then he went in private communion with the Father to receive his sustenance, affirmation, and guidance. Those are the ins and outs. If you do too much of the going out, give, 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 serve, 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 you're going to run out of gas. If you do too much of the hanging out, you know, I go to church, I go to Bible study, you know, whatever the deal is, I spend a lot of time in prayer. Well, then you kind of like the Dead Sea. <laughs> you got to have a flow. So if you want to be like Jesus, I hope you do. It's easy. Just do what Jesus did. What did he do? <sighs> he put himself in circulation and he touched needy people, perhaps the most marginalized people of our society. He touched them. And then he retreated. And he took a couple deep breaths and he enjoyed communion with his father because he knew that time of prayer was his power source. That's the life the Lord Jesus lived. That's the life followers of the Lord Jesus are supposed to live. Plenty of crowds, plenty of needs. The needs don't justify um, you meeting all the needs. (laughs) If you try to meet the needs of everybody about you without setting bounds, you're going to go under. You can't do it. So you have to say no to certain things. By the way, I didn't chuckle know this. Those of us in the ministry, this is a rough thing to do. Sometimes we just have to say no to certain things, not able to help you here. Can I refer you here? Or sorry, I won't be able to come to that event. I have, Chuck, maybe you because you're a better guy than me. I just have never, almost never run into anyone who understands that. I just have. People just think, if you're not doing it with me or to me, then I don't know what you're doing. That kind of deal. And I'm over that now as an old 61-year-old guy. I just said, God, in order to be in for the long haul and be a long-distance runner, not a sprinter, I'm not going to be out every night. I'm not going to every function. I cannot take on every need. I can't touch every needy person. i got to have time alone with the Lord. i got to take breathe them in so that I can exhale out what I get in order to be sustained for the long But that's true of all of us. Where did I get that from? the Lord. Crowds of people, here they come. What an opportunity. (laughs) 
he would often slip away to the wilderness. He went to Rockport, brother. <laughs> so I close with this. This isn't. Uh, you didn't come for a Greek class, but this would be hel- this. I think would be interesting to you. Just a little Greek thing. See, there's two verbs in that last verse. See where it says "slip away." That's a verb, and then the second verb "pray." Two verbs. In Greek, there's a tense for the verbs. It's called imperfect tense. Now, I just want to tell you what's cool about that. It means durative action. That means it keeps going. In other words, the Lord didn't just do this once. That's all I'm trying to say. This was his habitual practice in his life. He'd be out there, but he would often, regularly, as a lifestyle, slip away and pray. And it has to be our lifestyle as a way. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. So, Lord Jesus, thanks for everything. Thanks for touching us, making us well, whole. What religion couldn't do and what society can't do, and that is even perhaps tolerate some of us. You did. You touched us. You said you matter. You're of worth. I accept you. I will cleanse you. Be cleansed. Live as a clean one. Thank you for the pronouncement. Help us to live up to our new status in Christ Jesus. And help us to follow your example. Service for sure. Sanctified, set apartness, alone with you. The solitary prayer life also. Thank you for the balance in your life. Help us to live in accordance with your example. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you folks. See you.